Welcome back to the Let Your Life Be Your Sermon podcast. I am excited about the teaching that I have to share today. Uh, As brief as it may be, I believe it's a, a teaching that is needed not just for the church, but for people in various leadership positions, uh, various roles across the globe, in corporate settings, in faith-based settings, uh, in families, anywhere where there's a construct, where there's a hierarchy, where there's a person or people called leader, leaders. I want to share today about leadership that liberates. Leadership that liberates. Uh, Here are some, some key things that I just want to be sure that I share with you today. Four main things. I want you to grab them and I want us to begin to to live them. I I believe it's critical. I've been shown time and time again that there is a higher way to lead than we typically tap into. There's a way to lead that liberates people to be their best selves, to be their divine selves, to be who God has called them to be without us trying to, as leaders, maintain control and have a sense of ownership over people. So let's just dive right in. The first thing about leadership that liberates is this. It helps move, not maintain and mount barriers to divinity and destiny. I wanna say that again. Leadership that liberates helps move, helps get barriers out of the way, not maintain barriers and not mount barriers to divinity and to destiny. Let me share it with you this way, from my spiritual perspective, from my faith tradition. When Jesus was crucified, when he was being nailed on the cross to liberate humanity from sin, this is what happened. There was a veil that separated in the tabernacle, the temple, the most holy place from the holy place. And each year a high priest would go in, in the Jewish tradition, and bring a sacrifice for the people. And if that sacrifice was accepted, the people could go on. If it wasn't accepted, the high priest would die. The book of Hebrews in the Christian tradition says that Jesus is the high priest, meaning he went in and he made a sacrifice once and for all. He's both the high priest and the lamb. To symbolize this, when he was crucified at the time when he took his last breath, the veil was rent in two. That veil that separated the holy place from the most holy place was rent in two. It was a barrier that kept kept people from freely accessing divinity and God and everything in God that we can access, everything in God that he's promised us. It was a veil. And that veil was rent in two from top to bottom. So there could be no mistake. Nobody could think anybody else did it. It had to be a divine moment because it was a tall veil. Um, So this was a barrier. And when Jesus was crucified, as he took his last breath, that barrier was rent in two, torn in two so we can go in. And so Jesus in his sacrifice for us uh, allows us to have access. He removed the barrier. What happens a lot of times now in church tradition and in Christian tradition is that leaders, church leaders, pastors, bishops, apostles, we erect ourselves as barriers. We place ourselves as as veils that prevent people from having that access. This is what I mean by that. Anytime a person believes, if they're taught, 
that they can't access everything in God unless they come through another human being. That person has been presented as a veil, as a barrier. Anytime there's a doctrine that is shared that says you can't freely get what Christ already died for unless you have this leader, you won't be as blessed as you possibly could be unless you're connected to this person. Then there's a barrier. Hear me now because I believe in order. I believe in submission. I believe in healthy submission, though I believe in order to get what I have to get in God and what he has promised me, there is a yielding that must happen to his way of thinking and to his way of living, to the kingdom way of doing things, the kingdom of God, which doesn't come with observation. There has to be a shift in my mentality. What I don't believe and what God has continued to show me is erroneous, is the notion that after we have already had a high priest who was also the greatest sacrifice, we need yet another priest who becomes more than a pastor, more than a voice, more than a guide, more than a leader. They then become a veil and they become our conduit, our entry point to Christ. That can't happen. That becomes idolatry. That is a high place. And then people struggle when those high places are torn down because their connection to God is so intricately connected and woven in with their connection to a leader or to a local church or to leadership or to a corporate entity if they're serving in a corporate space or to any image or any idol that becomes a substitute or an entry point to a place for which Christ already died for us to have entry to. Why erect a barrier that's already been removed? So leadership that liberates, leadership that sets us on course to live in Christ and to live fully for the purpose of Christ helps move, not maintain and mount the barriers to divinity and destiny. The people that I lead, the people that God has honored me to mentor, to lead in any capacity, I want them to be everything they can be in Christ. And I don't want them to believe that they have to come by me or through me to get what Christ has for them. But there's also this leadership that liberates, connects people to Christ and community without controlling communication, consistency and calling. Want us to pause there for a moment to truly understand leadership that liberates not only erects barriers, particularly leadership that liberates doesn't erect a leader as a barrier. Leadership that liberates connects people to Christ. This is in the Christian tradition, but leadership that liberates in any tradition connects people to the main thing, to the source. It does not try to become the source. It connects people to Christ and community without controlling communication, consistency, and calling. I would never want to position myself. I can only talk to people about what I want to do, what God is showing me. I would never want to position myself to make anybody that I'm leading believe that they have to communicate with Christ on my timetable, that they have to communicate with Christ on my consistency, that they have to communicate with me their calling in order for them to go forth in their calling. Sure, we want to build relationship, but that's relationship. You know, that's trust, that's honor, that's integrity. What we want to have as leaders is people who desire to follow us, 
who actually love to have a relationship with us because we treat them with dignity, with honor and respect. And we honor their callings. We honor them as people. They're not folks that are just subservient to us and trying to fulfill our dreams and can't even think about what God has placed in them. We're walking together and we're saying, sure, right now, I'm the leader. I'm the one who has more wisdom in these situations. But I want to help call you up into what God has called you to do. And I'm not going to put you on my timetable and be jealous about your success and try to make you not be successful until you help me be successful in what I'm doing. Let's walk this thing out. Leadership that liberates one helps move, not maintain and mount barriers to divinity and destiny. Won't even erect myself as a barrier. Leadership that liberates connects people to Christ and community. There's Christ. Let's follow him. Never forget, never forget that a pastor, a teacher for Christ, an evangelist for Christ, an apostle for Christ, a prophet for Christ, any leader for Christ, our first role is to connect people to Christ and help them strengthen that relationship. Not be connected to me that you're out boasting, saying you're pastored by Vanetta L. West. You go to our neighbor's house boasting in our church affiliation and our pastoral affiliation and who's our apostle and who's our priest. That's not our role. Our role is to connect people to Christ. So at the end of it all, they're able to say, whatever Christ did, I, go, I went out to do that. However Christ loved people, my role in life, my goal was to be Christ-like, not to be Vanetta-like, not to be Paul-like. I'm to be an example. I'm to be a leader who's doing my best every day and is fully committed to following the examples, the teachings, the life, the leadership, you know, of Christ. And if I do that, then I can say, hey, let's follow Christ together. I'm going to share with you what I have, what I've learned, and I'm going to be the leader Christ has positioned me to be in your life at this point. But come on, let's go. Because one day you're going to move forward. And what all I want, all I want is your leader and your mentor is for you to fulfill everything you're destined to do on this earth without me putting up a barrier, without me trying to be the entryway to Christ, without me trying to control, without me determining your calling, without me perpetuating a consistency that's based on what I need. Leadership that liberates man, it's just love-centered. What's best for that person in God? How much Christ loves that person and how he died for them? And who would I be to try to control what Christ does in their lives? Why would I impose my dream? Now, I believe in reciprocity. But for the people that I mentor, the people that I lead, as much as I want them to show up for me, I need to show up for them. And I can't have a sense of entitlement that people should serve me. Why? Because Christ said in Scripture, and this is a key part of leadership that liberates, he said in Matthew 20, Anybody who's going to be great among you will be your servant. Meaning if I'm a person's leader, if I'm mentoring them, one of the best things I should show them is how to serve, how to pour out my life for other people, how to sometimes show up for people when I might not feel like it, how to be in places that aren't comfortable, how to look at injustice in the world and face it with truth and with honor and with integrity, how to stand for people who are being disenfranchised, who are being oppressed. Why? Because Jesus stood in the temple and he quoted Isaiah, the prophet. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. 
How can we be the body of Christ unless the spirit of the Lord be upon us to free those who are oppressed, to set at liberty those who are captive, to stand for people who in moments can't stand for themselves. Leadership that liberates serves. It's more concerned about serving people than it is about people submitting. Let me say that again. Leadership that liberates is more concerned about serving than it is about other people submitting. If I'm a leader that liberates, then I'm more invested in serving people than I am in people submitting to and serving me. That's the way of Christ. Jesus Christ said, I came not to be served, but to serve. And if Jesus Christ said that, what leader, what pastor for Christ, what prophet for Christ, what apostle for Christ can dare put ourselves in a place where our focus is on people submitting to us and not us serving other people? And I don't just mean serving by delivering a word or by speaking into people. I mean serving. When people need food, taking food, when homes are burnt down, finding places for people to stay, when people are in predicaments that they can't get out of, showing up for people. That's leadership that liberates. It's, and when you lead this way, you start to see people shift around you because they're being led in a way by a person who's pouring out their life for Christ and for humanity and not always speaking about how they should be submitted to or how they should be honored. Leadership that liberates is more concerned about honoring people than about being honored. Leadership that liberates sets people free to be the best representatives for Christ that we can be on the earth. This is the third main thing. Leadership that liberates builds people up in truth, wisdom, and love without taking credit for the building. You know what that means? If I'm mentoring people, if I'm leading people and things start to happen for them that are great, that are intentional, that are divinely purposed, that may in some way reflect the time that we've spent together in our relationship. It could even demonstrate some ways we've grown together, something that I've taught, something that I've shared, somehow connected to our relationship. Even if leadership that liberates builds people up in truth, in wisdom, and in love, without taking credit for the building. Leadership that liberates doesn't say you owe, you owe me something. Leadership that liberates says we have a relationship and whatever God positioned me in, my, in your life to build you up to do, I can't even take credit for that. And I don't want to. Whatever reward God has for me to, for that, he'll provide it. But I'm not going to make you feel attached to paying me back. I can't take credit for your divinity and for your destiny, for the great things God called you to do. He only sent me to lead and to mentor so that I could deposit, so that I could impart, but not only that, so that I could learn. Because as a mentor used to tell me, service to anyone is first and foremost a service to the one providing it. I grew from leading you. I grew from mentoring you. I grew from building you up. And however God wants to reward me, he's going to do that. 
Now, I don't want to get into that gray area of sowing a seed and rendering unto people what's due them. Because in relationship, you know what? When relationships are healthy and we're practicing leadership that liberates, whatever you're supposed to get from something, you'll get it. I just believe that. The young people that I mentored, I started mentoring 10, 15 years ago. The more I show up for them and the more I do, they call and say, do you have five minutes? And I say, sure. One of them told me, you always got five minutes, doc. The more I showed up, the more God started to grow me up. The more I served people, the more God served me. The more I honor people, the more God honors me. The more I help people op- walk through open doors, the more God opens doors for me. My reward comes from God. He said this, it's the red letters. Christ said, give, and I'll ensure that it's given back to you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. Leadership that liberates does not depend on the people that we're leading to supply all of our needs. We can't do that. We put people in bondage when we make them make our dreams happen. That's a Christ role. That's a God role. If he wants to use them to do that, he'll begin to work that out. But our role, our function can't be to make them say you have to give something. It can't be to force people to give to what God has given us as a vision. God will do that. I've seen it as I've given people that I've led and I've mentored. Not forced by me. They've given back in what they could give back in their time. You know, in their expertise and their gifting, they're honored to do that because I've been honored to serve them. I've been honored to walk with them. And those who have not done that, I pray the best for them. I never speak curses on them and tell them they won't be blessed because they're not with me anymore. I speak the blessings of God on them. I pray that they fulfill what's in them. I pray that they continue to learn and grow. Because my role is not to make them feel bad because they didn't fulfill something I thought they should fulfill. My role is to continue to look at them and say, God, I I pray that you continue to form and fashion them to be a king and priest for you. In any role I'm in, that should be my goal. As leaders, if we're working in corporations, if we're working in, in nonprofits, if we're working as doctors, if we're working as nurses, wherever we are, you know, whether we have uh, degrees or whether we're working in places that might not make that much money, our role is this. As leaders, <coughs> our role is to see something for people and to pray that they see it too, to see the best. And to help pray them to that, to teach them to that, to guide them to that. In a lot of instances, walk with them to that, to encourage them to that, to provide wisdom. It's not even always to tell them when they're going down a a path that might not be the best path. Because sometimes we have to learn, unless it's extremely detrimental. Often our role as leaders and mentors that liberate is to simply say, hey, You're mature. Make that decision. And no matter where you land, I'm still going to love you because that's the love of Christ. I'm still going to be with you. And I'm going to keep encouraging you towards ultimately what God has for you. Leadership that liberates helps move, not maintain and mount barriers to divinity and destiny. Leadership that liberates 
connects people to Christ and community without controlling communication, consistency, and calling. Leadership that liberates, builds people up in truth, wisdom, and love without taking credit for the building or for what was built. Fourth thing, leadership that liberates seeks relational stewardship, not hierarchical ownership. That's even with our children. You know, when we when we have children, when we have people that we mentor, when we have people uh, that we're leading, we're stewards. People don't belong to us. People don't belong to me. People who attend our neighbor's house, who even may recognize me as their pastor, who may deem me as a leader, I don't own them. I'm a steward. Whatever relationship I'm supposed to have with them, however God connected us, whatever he connected us to accomplish, I'm a good steward over that. I want to be a good steward. I want God to say, well done. I connected you with this person and you didn't diminish them. You didn't make them feel less than. You demonstrated my heart to them. You cared for them. You spoke truth when it was needed, but you also shared it in love. You were always seeking to build them up. You were not a source of discouragement, but encouragement. You let them know when a path may be shaky when I told you to. And other times you took your hands off because you realize you're not me. That's something for leaders to realize. We're not God. Some of us have a God complex. We're even telling people they won't get what God has for them unless they're with us. That's a God complex. What we should be telling people is this, because I'm seeking relational stewardship and not hierarchical ownership, we should be able to say this to people and I'll finish with this. I want us to be able to say it. If you never see me again as a leader, if we never connect again, if you never hear another word from me, I pray the best for you. And I pray that God complete every work that he has in you, everything he's promised you, everything he's destined for you, I pray that it come to pass. And I pray that everything I've spoken that's been from God, that you hold on to it, that it continue to increase you in strength, that you be free because whom the son sets free is free indeed. Not free to sin, but free to go forth, free to be a great vessel for the kingdom of God free to turn wrong things right, free to change the atmosphere, free to adjust the temperature wherever you go. I pray Christ in you always, and I speak that on you. That's leadership that liberates. That's not attached to me. That's saying whatever we're connected to do, I want to be faithful in doing that. And then if you're supposed to move forward from me, I pray the best for you. I'm not going to curse you. I'm going to pray the best for you. Because I have the love of Christ. I want you to be in Christ and set free. And no matter what role I'm in, if that's corporate, that's saying, if you leave this organization, I speak the best for you. I want what God has for you. If you leave this company, I speak the best for you. I want what God has for you. I pray you grow in righteousness. You grow in truth. You grow in wisdom. Because this connection was never about my glory. Leadership that liberates, leaders who liberate realize the connection was never about my name being great. It was never about my name getting glory. It was never about you submitting to and serving me. 
ultimately it was about this. Can we build this kingdom of God with a foundation of love rooted in Christ's principles and the thinking of Christ and the heart of Christ that will turn this world right side up? Taking into this world an unshakable kingdom where people walk at liberty in what they are called and destined to do in Christ. That's leadership that liberates. I'll give it to you again. It helps move. It's number one, not maintain and mount barriers to divinity and destiny. Leadership that liberates, too, connects people to Christ and community without controlling communication, consistency, and calling. Leadership that liberates, three, builds people up in truth, wisdom, and love without taking credit for the building. Leadership that liberates, four, seeks relational stewardship not hierarchical ownership. I say to you today, if you're a leader in any capacity, if you say you're a leader for Christ, for pastor, a teacher, an apostle, a Sunday school teacher, uh, a, a prophet, an evangelist, whatever you may be doing, if you say it's for Christ, if you're a leader, lead to liberate, not to control, lead to liberate, not to manipulate, lead to liberate, not to build your dreams, but to build something for Christ, lead to liberate. Not so we'll be able to say we were glorified, but so we'll be able to say we poured into lives, the heart of Christ, the mind of Christ. And we were stewards, not owners. We were stewards not owners.